purpose for Him and stand for Him and who are willing to die. So in the fifth cell, it's all about man dying, being persecuted. But in the sixth seal, it's not about people dying, nor is it about man witnessing. It is God witnessing of Himself. God showing witness of Himself. God testifying of Himself. Of how great and wonderful He really is. Because there comes a point in life, even though we are witnesses and we speak of God, that we don't really witness of Him. God witness of Himself, even when He used us. And we need to understand that. And we need to recognize that. That God is doing something so fantastic, so great, so wonderful, and witnessing of Himself. That He wants man to see that He is God. And even though you may deny what you see, And what you hear. Yet God is still God. You may not receive the witness of God himself. Because even in the millennial we cannot understand how people will see him reigning and yet reject him. But God shows forth his own greatness. I want to read something here about you. I'm going to tie it with the message today also. It's about James, LeVon James. When LeVon James played his first high school basketball game on December 3rd, 1999, it was in a half-empty gym in Cahaga Falls, a suburb of Akron. James was starting as a freshman for St. Vincent St. Mary High School, and most high school fans were paying far more attention to the state football finals than even finals that evening, which included Wash High and local Catholic school. But there was one college coach in the stand, Bob Huggins, had been the head coach of the University of Akron. In 1999, he was the University of Cincinnati, and he heard, I'm going to draw that to your attention, He heard of so many high school freshmen who were supposed to be the next Michael Jordan, the next Julian Irvin, and most were lucky to even start for Division I college teams. Listen to what it said. But once in a while... Someone comes along. And just in case, Huggins wanted to be there right from the start. Before the game at St. Vincent St. Mary's, Coach Keith Dunbar was nervous because he was starting three freshmen, including James. He had been the coach of Tiffany, Ashland University, and Central Michigan. He was not naive, he was not a naive young man in his first coaching position. 
nor was he prone to praising players, especially freshmen. But he raved about James to a California coach, Ben Burnham, a close friend. When Burnham was head coach of Eastern Michigan and Dunbar was an assistant. He'll certainly play Division One, And he may even be good enough just to go straight to the pros. Dunbar said before James' first high school game. The national coming out party was the fame of five-star basketball camp ran by legendary summer league coach Howard Griffin. For more than 35 summers, name a great player and he probably had passed through Garfunkel's camp. That year, James was mentioned as one of the top five sophomores in the country. In ESPN, the magazine wrote, James is tall, athletic, point guard, with serious skills and a brilliant first step. The Sporting News, James was the second best sophomore in the nation. James had people tell him he'd be the next Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGarty, Tracy McGarry, the next kin to go right from high school. Tracy McGrady, the next kid to go right from high school to the pros. And had pictures of them in his room. But his favorite player was Michael Jordan. He even told everyone that he was six foot six and a half because that is Jordan's exact height. Jordan is the perfect role model for James. But listen what people were saying about him. He's the next Michael Jordan. He's the next Kobe Bryant. He's the next this. He's the next that. What caused them to conclude that? What made them come to a place to say this ninth grader would be that great? It was what they saw in him. It was what they saw. And because of what they saw, their conclusion was, this young man is going to be great. This young man is going to be great. Isn't it amazing? We can see potential in people because of what they show us of themselves. But when God reveals himself, we don't see greatness. 
we don't see majesty. We don't see his glory. And we don't say much about him. Even though he reveals himself. Go to Revelations chapter 6 with me. Pick up verse 12. Because this sixth seal takes John back to the physical world. The fifth seal, seal, John was where at? Up in heaven. Looking at the souls under the altar. Understanding what caused them to die. And they died because of the word and their testimony. They died because of their stand for Jesus Christ. And their witness for Christ. Now God's going to witness on his own. God is going to bear witness of himself. And he says in verse 12, in reading Revelation 6, Watch as he opens the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black. The sackcloth made of goat hair. And some says dark cloth or black cloth. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth. As late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a throw, rolling back or rolling up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place or disappeared. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us. From the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath, the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? And who can stand? The first five seals were directed towards select areas. And it says in the first one, he went out conquering. He didn't conquer the world, but he did conquer certain areas. When it talks about hunger, uh, there were people who were hungry and starvation was there for many. But yet for those who were mighty and rich and, and so forth and had wealth, it didn't much bother them. They just went on living. There were those who were dying and maybe, as I shared, took place in China or America or could take place in India and Russia. It could take place, but it totals a certain amount. It didn't happen all over the world. This sixth seal, when it is open, it takes place universally. All people will be affected by it. All people will be affected by it. Not just over in the west or the east or in the southern part of the hemisphere, or the northern, it's going to happen universally all over. The sixth seal is something that everyone becomes afraid of. Because it is universal. It touches every home, everybody, every life. It doesn't matter what position, doesn't matter economical class, it doesn't matter. 
It will touch everybody. How John describes this earthly scene. He says, first, boy, there's great earthquakes. Now, we've heard of earthquakes. But we have not heard earthquakes all over the world. Same time that is taking place. And there's going to be these earthquakes. And it says that God will shake the earth in Isaiah. God will shake the earth. But in this sixth seal, there is no mention of death. Even though these things are happening, there's no mention of death. All the other seals do mention death. In some manner, by the sword, or by hunger, or by plague, or by conquering. But in this sixth seal, there's not a mention of death. We can assume if there's earthquake, people will die, but we've had earthquakes and people have not what? Died. He mentions that the sun turns black. The sun is darkened. Oftentimes we understand when the sun doesn't come out, it's a cool day or it's a cold day but standing in the rays of the sun when it's out it's warming sometimes you can feel the difference between the sun being out and being under a shade tree because if you're under that shade tree it can feel cooler but if you step out in the sun it's hotter you can feel that effect of the shade and the sun and it says the sun is blackened It's going to be a chilly day. But it's coming. And then he says, the moon turned to blood. I haven't had a chance to read the four blood moons. Or some others that have been written about the blood moons. They're only supposed to happen every so many centuries or hundreds of years or whatever that it happens. Well, I've never seen one. But it says... The moon will come like blood. And what we don't understand is that people are seeing this. People are seeing these things happen. They're not being told about it. There's not somebody witnessing to them about it. They are actually seeing these things. And experiencing the effects of it. And he says, the stars fall. Well, we've all heard about shooting stars. We know stars die. And they do fall and so forth. And then he says, the sky receded like a stroll. As though something just opened up. The word there receded. Is to separate. Another thing about the word there, it means similar to run away from. But here I believe the main issue is it separates something. The sky separates. And the reason I think the sky separates, if you go back into Acts chapter 7, you read about Stephen when he was yet being stoned. What happened? He looked up and the heavens were what? 
open. And it's surprising. We're not going to labor on it right now. It says, they saw his face, the one sitting on the throne. Something had to change for them to be able to see. For them to be able to see. And it says, every mountain and every island disappeared or was moved. Boy, if you saw the smoky mountains moved, would that strike you? Would that catch your attention? Hawaii is nothing but an island, but if you saw it disappear, would you... United States is nothing but an island. Would you... (laughs) And he says the mountains and islands are moved, and some translation says disappear. Now understand this point, because it's critical here. Is that these things take place not by the power of man. Man can't cause earthquakes. Man can't cause the sun to be blackened. Man can't cause the moon to become red. Man can't cause mountains and islands to really vanish and disappear. Man does not have the power to do this. And yet, God says he's going to do it and people will see it. And God gives witness and testimony of himself. And his power. And what he's capable of doing. Now the question has to be asked. Why? Why? Why even give a warning? Why even try to stand up and prove who you are to a disbelieving world? Why even allow these things to even be seen by those who are unbelievers? Why would you even do these things? Is it true that it's God's will that none of us would perish? What I want you to see in that is this. Is God's effort... To reveal himself even more to a dying world. To a world that's about ready to be judged. The world that he's about ready to pour his wrath out upon. Because of their disbelief. God reveals himself. His power. His ability. Not so much to frighten, but to shake and awaken that He is and that He is God. 
and that there is no other. He does that. In Colossians 1, he said, He is the one who has created all things. And all things are held together by Him. Who else could move them but the one who holds them? Who else could do it? Go to Joel with me. Chapter 2, 10 through 11. Right after Hosea, Joel, chapter 2, 10 and 11. He says, Before then the earth shakes, the sky trembles, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunder at the head of his army. His forces are before are beyond numbers, and mighty are those who obey his command. Now listen to this. You don't have it marked, mark it. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. And look what the little question is. Who can stand it? And in verse 17, you will find who can stand. Who can stand before such an awesome God? No matter what your unbelief tells you, who can stand before an awesome God? Who can deny such an awesome God? Who can reject such a wonderful God? Who can do that? But he who has a free will. And we'll look at that in the second part. Go to verses 30 and 32 in Joel 2. He says, I will show wonders in the heavens. Look what God's already declaring. I will show wonders in the heavens. What can man do with the sun? Nothing. What can man do with the moon? Not a thing, really. What can man do with stars? And the scripture says that the Lord calls them by name. We never even put the North Star in place. But he put it there as a guide for us. And he says... I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, and blood and fire, bellows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Before the coming and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. If you see these things, and you've been an unbeliever up to that point, God says, if you see these things and you believe in me, you will be saved. 
Always remember this. Whenever death is at the door, God's grace and forgiveness is there also. You already know 2 Peter 3.9. That is God's will that none would perish. That is the same will that is active during the tribulations. God isn't out just to bring these horrendous acts upon an unbelieving world just to punish them, but to awaken them. To who he really is. And as those who died in the fifth seal, being a witness for him and standing for him, and would not denounce their testimony of him, and yet people would not yield, God chooses in this sixth seal to reveal himself and his power and his glory and all that he's capable of doing. Go to Jeremiah 4, 23. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 23. He says, I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty. And at the heavens, now catch this, and their lights were gone. I looked at the mountains, and they were quaking, and the hills were swaying. I looked, and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. Boy. No light coming from heaven. It's as though God had separated himself for that moment. And allow these things to happen. Just think with him. If God was to even blink, what might happen to earth? Job says, when he looked out here, and I don't know how Job looked out there, but he said, God hung this world on nothing. Man talks about an axis. But God says he hung it on nothing. And it stays there by his word. It hangs there by his word. With all that space out there, you think it was just what? But it hangs there by the power of his word. Because he commanded it to be there and to turn the sun, the moon. He commanded. He's the creator. He's over it all. But he is the one who can also destroy it all. And he allows people to see his power, his strength. He allows them to see it. Go to Matthew twenty-four, twenty-nine. Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Remember what I shared with you earlier? Let scripture back what? Let scripture back scripture. Let scripture speak. Let scripture speak 
of our desire to even die and yet understanding that we live. And Paul says, for me to die is gain. And we need to come to that place in our own personal life. For me to die, it really is gain. But it's God's will that I'm here. It's necessary for me to be here. He still has a plan that he's still working out in our lives. He's still working. He's still performing. He's still doing. So in Matthew 24, 29 30, he says, let me get there. Boy, another page or two over. He says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will what? Will mourn. They're going to see. They're going to mourn. Because all of a sudden they're wrong. They know that they're wrong. In Romans 1, 18 through 20... It says, by the things that are created, they testify of God. Go there with me just for a moment. Romans 1, 18, 20. Because it even is true here of what is taking place there. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. And what you see in that sixth seal is being revealed from heaven. Against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. If you understand the fifth seal, there were those who understood truth and they held to the truth. But there are those who, even though truth was present, truth was taught, truth was witnessed about, that still rejected what? Truth. The power of free will is to reject whatever God has for you. If you were a puppet, you would not be able to reject it. You would not be able to say no. But God gave you that free will that you might choose based on the evidence that are set before you. That you might make an intelligent choice. Whether or not he is God or not. And here God uses the heavens to declare his glory. And every creature on earth will see it. Every creature on earth will be affected by it. Every man and woman and child has to make a decision. Is he God? Is he God? 
is he God? And he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Who's made it plain? God has, by what he's created. Elaine and I were driving somewhere, and I was thinking about something, and the Lord stopped me with the word cool. And him and I just started talking. And finally he said, cool, take off the C and put the F in front of it and what you have. There's a lot of cool fools. Then we thought a little bit more. And he said, boy, take off the C and put a P there. Take off the L and put an R there. Cool, foolish, and poor. Cool, foolish, and poor. And you see that in real life. Those who desire to really be cool wind up being fools, and they also wind up being what? And here's God says, the heavens declare who I am. But you're so cool, you don't need me. And it's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. Not knowing your riches come from the Lord. And he's the one who makes one rich or makes one poor. Cool, foolish, and poor. Do not acknowledge the Lord. And he goes on there and he says, Since what? may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, not hidden, but clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, that that thing didn't make itself. The moon didn't make itself. The stars didn't make themselves. The sun didn't make themselves. The mountains didn't raise themselves. The seas didn't fill themselves with water. No, it was a creator. It was God who did it. And God in Revelation 6 is saying, I'm going to show you what I can do with a moon that you always see a bright white. I'm going to make it totally red. I'm going to show you what I can do with a sun that you see yellow. And so I'm going to darken it. I'm going to show you what I can do with a mountain. I'm going to remove it. Then who do you say did that? Who did you say did it? Did man do it? Or was it God that did it? Who performed these things? And he says, boy... They suppress the truth, even though they see it with their own eyes. 
even though you experience it, you suppress the truth of God. And what we need to recognize is that whenever death is so close to us, there's always grace and forgiveness. It may be the last breath you take, but God will save you with that last breath. If you simply say, Lord, I repent and I believe in Jesus Christ. I wouldn't say try it. I wouldn't try to put it to the test at my last breath. Because the scripture says, today is the day of what? Salvation. Today is that day of salvation. And a person has to make a choice. Each one of us got to make that choice. Is it Jesus? Or is it that Jesus doesn't matter? Jesus only exists in this world. He's a fictitious character. He's for the weak-minded. There really is no God once you leave here. Man's free will is at work, even at this point. And he says, in that verse 17, Then the kings of the earth, and the princes and generals, and the rich and the mighty... And he names them specifically, along with the slave men and the free men. But he specifically named these individuals. Because if you go back and look up at the first five seals, these could have escaped it. Because of their wealth. Because of their positions. The balancing and buying, they could still buy. It cost them a little more. They were wealthy. They were kings. They weren't worried about eating. We see that even today in our country. Kings eat well while the average person starves to death. We see that. Generals in army, they're not worried because they're going to take it from somebody. So he names kings, princes, general, wealthy, the rich and mighty. Those who may not have been affected in the first five. May have escaped it just for a little while. Understand something. You may escape God's judgment just for a little while. But it's going to catch you. It's going to catch you. Hey. You may escape it for a moment, but you won't outrun God. God has no problem giving you a head start. (laughs) You won't outrun him. You won't outrun him. And he mentions those. And then he mentions the slave and the free. But look at the heart. Look at the free will. Look at what is stated. 
He says, Every free man hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. Something here is so important that oftentimes we're just reading. Remember what I told you about Stephen earlier in Acts? How God opened up heaven? Everybody else didn't see what Stephen saw. But Stephen saw God and Jesus at the right hand. Stephen saw that. He said that the heavens separated. The heavens were open. Here it talks about heaven being receded. But look what they say what they're hiding from. From the face of him who is what? How do they know that? Unless God revealed it. God revealing it. God revealing himself. Remember Peter, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter declared that he was the Son of God. And then Jesus said to him, you would not have known that unless my Father in heaven had what? Revealed it unto you. Understand something, people. Sometimes people don't walk close to God. People never really come to God. Because they themselves have to experience God for themselves. God has to reveal Himself in some special way. Whether it be in voice or sign, whatever it is. God reveals Himself. And you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. Will you believe Him or not? Will you believe Him or not? A lot of you have heard a little bit of my husband that I accepted the Lord even. I was sitting on my step of my home in Worcester, on Worcester Avenue. And God brought a little verse to mind. I will share my glory with no one. That took away Mary. That took away St. Paul. That took away this person and that person. And God's word was so clear. I will share my glory with no one. And you have to sometime hear from God to make a change. And that made a change. From Catholicism to what I've been taught and learned, I'll share my glory with no one. That made a difference. And God speaks to us and God shows us things. Have God ever kept you? Have you ever been close to an accident and you call it luck? Thank you, Lord. I didn't see it. But Lord, you saw it. 
You ever been anxious to get somewhere, but then something slows you up? And you get further up the road and you see why you were slowed up? Thank you, Lord. God, in his own natural way, constantly reveals himself to us. Have you ever lost something? And said, boy, I don't know where I put that at. Lord, Lord you, you see it. You know where it's at. And then the Lord brings it to your mind exactly where it's at and you can go to it. You ever been wanting something and felt you couldn't get it? And yet somehow something happens and somehow you're able to gain it, possess it, and it becomes yours? And you know you really didn't do it? Understand something. God is speaking to you. God's revealing to you his power in your life. He's an ever-present God. He's not an absentee landlord. He's right there watching over you because you're his child. You're his responsibility. And he takes these individuals because it's not so much that God is designed to, to slay them, to kill them. No. God wants them to repent of their sin and to acknowledge him. Amen. So he goes to this, this great length of revealing his power, even rolling back heaven that they might even see his face and him sitting on the throne and they see him and they say, hide me from him. Rocks fall upon me. Now now catch this thought about man because it's so important here. And sometimes you hear people say it. If I'm die, if I die, there's nothing. If I die, there's nothing. It's like if I die, I don't have to deal with this God thing anymore. If I die, I don't have to deal with this salvation stuff anymore. If I die, God's finished with me and I'm finished with him. When you die, it just begins. And their thought was the rocks to fall upon them, hide them from God, kill them. And although they would die, is that God wouldn't have anything else to do with them. And yet, the scripture says, don't fear him who can only destroy the body. But fear him who can cast body and soul where at. Yes. And yet, because of free will, even after what they see, they reject God. What keeps you from God? What keeps you rejecting God? What is it that you haven't surrendered to God? What is it that you have not broke down and said, God, you're God. You're the Lord of my life. What is it that keeps you from totally surrendering to God? 
And I want to give you only one thing. Your will to do whatever you want to do with that thing that you're struggling with. Your will. God won't snatch it from you. You willingly have to give it to him. God won't snatch your life from you. You have to willingly surrender it to him. God won't take this thing from you or that thing from you. You have to put it on the altar and give it to him. You have to surrender. And they were not willing to surrender. They were not willing to give their lives to God. It's that thing. No, God, it's not your way, it's my way. It's not your will, it's my will. And it has to come to a place that we surrender to him. That we're surrendering to him. He mentions kings, general, rich, mighty. They're all going to see his glory. is universal. Is every slave, free man, they're going to see it. And I want you to understand at this point now, God includes all people, no matter what position, no matter how wealthy, no matter how intelligent, no matter what class they're in. God includes them all. Understand this thing. I don't care how wealthy you are. You need Jesus. I don't care how intelligent you are. You need Jesus. I don't care what position you may hold. You may be a head of a corporation. You may be head of this. You need Jesus. It doesn't matter. For God comes from all together. He takes away position, wealth, titles. And he puts them all together. Why? Because they all need Jesus. They hide in the caves. But look what happens to men at this point. Where a king may not have sat with a commenter, guess what he's doing? Sitting with somebody from the ghetto. Where the general would not even may give heed to a, a little peon. But yet now he's hiding with him. God brings them together because at the cross, we're all what? The same. There's one thing about every man, every woman, every child. There's one thing about us all. We need Jesus. Don't matter how rich, how educated, what class we are, what color we are. We all need Jesus. And he glumps them all together because they have need of him. And he witnesses to them all, even though they reject him. He still witness. Unbelief is among all people. This one gospel is to reach all people. It's this one savior for all people. Is one Holy Spirit for all people. Is one Bible for all people. 
doesn't matter where our station might be at in life. The word of God is for all people. And God speaks to all people with the same message. It doesn't change. The rejection, they call for the rocks to fall. Yes, for the rocks to destroy them. With the thought, if I die, God has no more authority over me. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. And the only way that statement could be made is that if God revealed himself on that throne. Or John just included it in there, but it didn't happen. And I believe somehow God opened up heaven. He just allowed the sky to rescind. He just opened up. Just like a shade that's all the way down. And sometimes you have that shade and you begin to let it up and you let go. And what happens to it? Zoom! And all the brightness just what? Flushes in. That somehow God just opened that shade and it went zoom! And his glory just rushed in. That doesn't mean you will receive it. But remember what it says in Romans 1? They are without what? Excuse. They're without excuse. God leaves every man without excuse for rejecting him. Every unbeliever is without an excuse for not accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. There is no excuse because God opens the window of heaven that we might see a glimpse of his glory and who he really is. You're without excuse. No man dies without God in some manner, some way, witnessing to them. Why? He could not be a just God. And no man will be able to stand before God and say, I never knew you. I never even thought. I I couldn't even begin to imagine that you were real. And God's going to be able to remind them what they saw. What he did in their own life, that he's real. That he's real. Let's close out with Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. The arrogant eyes and, and so forth, God will, will cease. Those who want to say that he does not exist will be without an excuse. Look at verses 8 through 12 with me in chapter 2. Their land is full of idols. What's happening during the tribulation time? You have the beast, the antichrist, the false prophet. You have the image in which they are trying to make people to worship, to bow down to. And he says their land is full of idols. 
Their land is full of idols. They bowed down. They bowed down in ignorance. And God says in Acts, he winks at ignorance. Because ignorance is not an excuse to reject me. Why? Because I've given you knowledge of my word. Why? Because I revealed myself to you. Ignorance is not an excuse to reject God. And he says, their land is full of idols. They bow down to the works of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So man will be brought low and mankind humbled and do not forgive them. Go into the rocks. Hide in the ground from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. Now catch verse 11. The eyes of the arrogant. The eyes of those who reject the eyes of those who are prideful. He says, the eyes of the arrogant man will be what? Humbled. You're going to see that you're wrong. You're going to see that you're wrong. Because you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see the magnificence of God. You're going to see Him. And God Himself is going to prove to you that you were wrong. In rejecting the one who died on Calvary for your sins. Boy. That sixth seal is God bearing witness of himself. That fifth seal is man bearing witness. And though they kill and quiet the voice of men, yet there is a voice that man cannot silence. There is a work that man cannot stop. And that is the work of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, O oh God, for opening your word to us. I don't know the effects that will have on people's hearts, but it is your Holy Spirit that has to impress and has to convict what truth really is. And Lord, I pray that if there be any in our midst today who may not know you and know the Lord Jesus Christ for the pardons of their sin that they would not leave this place without Christ and for us O oh God who are believers in Christ may somehow Lord regurgitate this may we go back over it because oftentimes, Lord we read without allowing O oh God our minds to wander through Scripture, to hook things together, because, Lord, you were speaking about what was taking place in tribulation way back in the Old Testament. For it is a dreadful day, the wrath of God, when it will come. Lord, we don't know, O oh Lord, 
about our tomorrows. But what we do know that, Lord, you hold our tomorrow. And whatever may come, oh God, you're more than able to give us, oh God, the ability, oh Lord, to be faithful to you. And my prayer, oh God, for each and every one of us in this room, that we will be faithful unto death. That we would be such a people who are caught up with your glory, as caught up with your goodness. That, Lord, it will not enter our minds to deny you. But that, Lord, we will live this life in a manner that will be a testimony unto you. We will live in such a way that it doesn't matter if people call us holier than thou. It doesn't matter if people call us a a book carrier of the Bible. It doesn't matter if people laugh at the way that we dress. It doesn't matter that if my body's not all tattooed up. It doesn't matter if I'm not wearing the fad today and wearing my earrings or have my gold on. It doesn't matter because what matters is Jesus Christ. That He's being seen through our lives. And Lord... I pray, O God, through the evidence of creation, as we look even up into the sky, that, Lord, the wonders that we see sometimes, the amazing things that take place, even when it's dark, and there's that one area of light, and the beauty and the ray that comes from that, Even the beauty of a sunset. That man would take notice. And know that you are the one. Who is painting the picture. You are the one revealing your glory. Even through that which you have created. Open our eyes that we might see. Let us not be the people who hear but hear not and see and see not. But let us hear and see and have understanding that it is a mighty God. Behind all what we see. Glorify yourself, Lord. Be the mighty witness of yourself of who you are. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, all you have to do is just, just where you are, just have to pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, and I receive him right now as my Lord and Savior. If you've never done it personally, do it today. It's not about joining the church. It's not about when you were baptized. It's not about even your thinking in the head that you know Jesus. But it's about a relationship and are you in a relationship with him? Are you talking to him daily? Are you reading his word daily?
is the Holy Spirit bringing things back to your mind because you're in this relationship that allows you to get to know Him better. Lord, save anyone in this place. May the convicting power of the Holy Spirit minister to them. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.